name's Travis Sims, and I am the founder and CEO of AGC Accelerated Global Connections. And this is the AGC Experience. Our lives are a series of choices. Each choice leads to a result. Would you like to easily know which choices are the right life choices for you? If you've never met Amy Tyson, owner of Infinity Life Design, make it a priority to connect with her. Amy is a master of feng shui and batzi, which she calls destiny analysis. She assists her clients in understanding the hidden forces that are influencing their lives. A destiny reading with Amy is like reading a book all about you. She highlights which decisions will bring you to your fullest potential and which choices will lead you down a path of obstacles. If you're struggling with a challenge or you want to lift your life even higher, get connected with Amy and Infinity Life Design on facebook.com slash infinitylifedesign or subscribe to her online newsletter at infinitylifedesign.com and connect with your infinite life. Gregory Jerome Coleman is a retired American football punter who had a 12-year career in the National Football League playing for the Cleveland Browns, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Washington Redskins. He attended Florida A&M University, where he is a member of, Phi, of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. Coleman currently is the Minnesota Vikings sideline reporter for KFAN. He is the cousin of former Major League Baseball outfielder Vince Coleman. Early in his career, he earned the nickname Coffin Corner because of his ability to kick his kicks near the corner of the playing field where the end zone and out-of-bounds lines meet. Due to his uncharacteristic speed, that is for a punter, defenses often lined up to guard against a fake punt because he was a threat to run for the first down. He is known as being one of the first African-American punters in the NFL. He was selected by the fans to be a member of the Viking 40th anniversary team. He is a member of the Florida A&M Football Hall of Fame and is also a member of the State of Florida Track and Field Hall of Fame. Greg is going to come and talk to us today about the power of words. Please join me in welcoming our speaker, Greg Coleman. Thank you, Mark. You know, as, as Mark mentioned, so many times we look at other things as being so significant and so powerful. And as I thought about a subject to share, and it was very interesting and very intriguing that we look at words. And I guess if, if we start at the beginning in the, in the book of Genesis, when God said, let there be, then there was. Then he said, let there be light. Those were words that were spoken, the power of words. You know, we all can remember the saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, I think that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because I think each and every one of us, if we're honest enough with ourselves, as we look back, whether it's early childhood or adolescence or even adulthood, 
We can remember some words and phrases that were spoken to us like it was only yesterday. You know, I think one of the most powerful words in our vocabulary around the world is, I love you. And the things that we do that we yearn to hear those words, I love you, and what they mean, I know sometimes, I, man, if the right person tells you those words, you'll walk through hell with, ja with gasoline draws on, because it, there is nothing that you wouldn't do to hear those words again and again and again, I love you. You know, I, um, I want to take you on a little journey where sports was huge in my neighborhood down in Jacksonville, Florida, where I grew up. And I can remember as a little shorty kicking pop cans over, over the fences and then hearing the comments from the older guys and some of the older people in our neighborhood, man, how, how can you do that? So those were words that started to feed my conscious, feed my ego. And when I was fortunate enough to get a football and then I started kicking them over the electric wire. And those rendered more words of affirmation. Lord, and when I start kicking them over the houses, you know, from the alleyway, you know, kicking them over and over and over, there are some words that were expressed by some of the guys and people in the neighborhood that I cannot repeat on this public forum. You can imagine what I'm saying. But those were words of encouragement. And any time that you could, could feed and nurture the conscious, with positivity, positive words. Man, that's what I wanted to hear and that's what I wanted to do. And then you found yourself doing things to make sure that you would receive some of those words of affirmation, whether they were positive or negative. I remember sports was huge in my neighborhood. And as I developed my skill of kicking in, and the reason that I I looked at that particular position. I was watching a game between the Baltimore Colts and somebody else. They were playing at Ole Memorial Stadium, and, and it was during the winter, and it was cold, rainy, muddy, and everybody was dirty, muddy, bloody, with the exception of the punter. And he walked out on the field with his clean white uniform, and there were 10 people in front of him, and they protected him. He kicked the ball walked off the field in his clean white uniform. And at a very early age, I said, that's what I want to do. And that's what I want it to be. Now, people would say, man, you're only a punter. Well, you know, I didn't let anybody throw dirt on my dreams. Because regardless of whether I was a punter on first, second, and third down, but on fourth down, I was the most important person on the team because all of the focus and the attention in the words of affirmation came to me on fourth down. Baby, you can do it. You can do it. So as I matriculated to high school, I was a defensive end. Plus, I did the kicking and punting. And I remember, yeah, defensive end, yes. I was 174 pounds soaking wet. And we had offensive linemen in that, in that class that were 275 pounds. And I was supposed to close down the gap, take on the fullback. Man, I got tired of getting beaten up. So I just ole and move out of the way. There were other words that came to me. And they were not pleasant and they were not positive for the, from the coaches. I can remember one particular day, Coach Johnson said, Coleman, get the heck out of here. If you ain't going to run my defense the right way, get out of here. Go grab that bag of balls and go up on the other field and see if you can flip the field. See if you can do that because you're not running my defense right. And those words 
grabbed the bag of balls and flipped the field, stuck in my mind as a youngster. I had pretty good speed also, so I was a hurdler. And I can remember this one particular meet near the end of the season where the four top places in the regional track meet went to the state track meet. Man, that was a big deal. I was a junior, one of the top juniors in the North Florida area. And I remember as I got down in the blocks, I could hear the cheers. I could hear the encouragement from family, friends, teammates. And I sat there. And I can remember hearing the gun go off. And two big seniors were in front of me. And as I stayed close, and in the back of my mind, I could hear those words, hey, man, you can do it. You got it. Words of affirmation. As we get across the last hurdle, one of the guys in front of me, he falls. So all of the attention goes to him. I was clearly third. And I said, okay, well, uh, when, the, when the dust had cleared, they said that I was fifth. I said, wait a minute, everybody in the stadium knows that I was third. This was the day we didn't have a whole lot of technology and in, in, in slow-mo finishes and all of those things. So whoever had the third place finish lost his focus, said that I was fifth. And I go to my coach, Coach James Day, who was my coach. He was my mentor. He was my friend, like a, a father. And I said, Coach Day, you got to go to the clerk of the course and you got to get this straight because I was clearly third. And in my mind, I'm, hey, man, I'm third. I'm going to the state as a junior. And I could hear Coach's wife in the stand says, Jimmy, go get it right. Get it right, Jimmy. Get it right. And I can remember Coach Day looking at me with those Man, look, looking me straight in the face and says, you know what? I'm not going to the clerk of the course. I'm not going to get it right. Because I said, coach, why? What, what, what is going on? He said, you should have been first and turned around and walked away. Now, I know that in this, this, is, this statement is not politically correct with all of the violence that's going on in our neighborhoods. But when he turned around and walked away from me, I said I should have shot him right then. I'd be out of jail by now. But this was a man who was my mentor. He was my coach. He was my friend. He was someone that I depended on. And to hear those words come out of his mouth, I'm not going to do anything. You should have been first. They cut me like a six-inch a six switchblade. And I turned around and I walked away as I wiped the tears from my eyes. I said, okay, Santa Claus, if that's how you want to play it. At Christmas time, I'm going to bring my own Christmas tree. I'm going to bring my own presence, and I'm going to have my own party. I'm not going to depend on anybody else, anybody else, to determine my fate. My senior year, I never lost a race because those words burned in the back of my mind. You should have been first. And for my entire senior year, regardless of whether it was practice, prelims, or finals, I never lost because of those words. Now, those words that came from coach, they could have crushed me. And I could have rolled over in a fetal position, but I used it to fuel it to fire. And I went on and graduated to Florida a University where I had a kicking coach. His name was Pop Kittles. And I can remember having a pretty good practice that day and I'm hitting the ball right down the middle. Boom, boom, boom. And Pop comes up to me and said, well, baby, 
Why are you kicking it right to him? I said, well, heck, Pop, that's where he's standing. He said, well, baby, kick it where he ain't. I said, Pop, what do you mean kick it where he ain't? He said, baby, make him earn his dinner. Why are you doing all the work? Kick it to the right, kick it to the left. Thus created this name, Coffin Corner Coleman. You kick it to the corners where it's death and you bury him. And he said, baby, if you kick it to the corner, they'll find a place for you at the next level. And all I can remember in my mind, they'll find a place for you at the next level and the next level was the NFL. And those words that Pop Kittles recited to me at that practice that day and I looked in his big brown eyes and I was stupid enough to believe those words. And I took those words of affirmation. And when I got to the NFL to hear Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football, Coffin Corner Coleman puts it out of bounds again. And it was all because of those words from Pop Kittles. Another experience on this journey was my head coach, Rudy Hubbard at Florida A&M. And I remember losing a game between uh, our arch rival, Bethune Cookman. We lost by two points. We were in field goal range, and coach chose not to go for it. So after the game, we'd get back to campus on Monday. Before practice, I'm going to go have a come to Jesus meeting with Coach Hubbard. I'm going to tell his head a mess because I could have won the game. But before I could get it out of my mouth, Coach Hubbard said, Greg Coleman, sit down. Greg Coleman, you think that you're better than you really are. He said, yeah, you can hit the 53-yard field goal, but can you hit the 24-yard field goal when I need it? He said, can I depend on you? Can I trust you? Man, and those words hit me like a ton of bricks. Can I trust you? Words. And I used those words fueled to fire. It became as consistent as I possibly could. Words of affirmation. Wars are started because of words. Families are created because of words. Families are destroyed because of words. Words that were said to you, whether you were a little shorty, teenager, or even adult, if we're honest and open enough to admit words do matter. Let me land this, let me land this plane. There was a, there was an old farmer who had a goat out on the farm, out in the woods, way out of outskirts of town. And it was getting near dark and the, and the goat, uh, the, the goat fell in the hole and, and the old farmer said, man, it was an old dug well. He said, man, there's nothing I can do. I don't have enough strength to pull you out. But as the goat fell in the hole, he hit his head, so he was concussed. He couldn't hear. And as he looked up at the farmer, he says, man, I know the farmer, you know, we've been at it for a long time, and I know he's going to get me out of this hole. But what the farmer was saying, you're so deep and I'm so old and fragile, I don't have enough strength to get you out. But the least I can do is give you a decent burial. Well, the goat was concussed and he couldn't hear, so he thought the farmer was saying, I'm going to get you out. We're going to make it. We can do this. But he was saying, baby, all I can do is give you a burial. So he grabbed the shovel and started throwing dirt in. 
on the old goat. And in the beginning, it confused the goat because every time he threw dirty and on it, the goat would just kind of shake it off. He said, okay, that's what the farmer is going to do. He threw more dirt in, the farmer thinking that he's going to bury him. It was near dark. And the more dirt he threw on the old goat, the more he shook it off and stomped on the dirt. He threw more dirt in, shook it off and stomped it under his feet. And before you know it, he shook off enough dirt, stomped it under his feet and stepped out of that well because he believed the words that he thought the farmer was saying. So instead of burying him, he shook, he stomped, he stepped out, he shifted the entire atmosphere and walked out and he and the farmer were united together and they did some amazing things. I'll close with this, whatever you are, whatever you do at whatever phase of life that you're in, there were words that were shared with me by a very dear mentor, teammate of mine, by the name of Gerald Irons. And Gerald said that I inspired him to, to write this poem. And he gave me, he gave me the opportunity. He gave me permission to share these words. And it's called, Be the Best. To be the best is my quest. Now, athletes come and athletes go, but there's something very special about being a pro. So on and on towards this goal, I'll strive while keeping my championship hopes alive. And let us not forget the day-to-day -day concentration for it'll help make us the best in the nation. To be the best is my quest. Now, some might just be happy to make the squad, but I'll never be satisfied until I get that Super Bowl wad. And so much happiness I know it will bring the thrill of wearing Super Bowl ring. To be the best is my quest. Now, everything needed, I cannot mention, but I hope the words that I've said is not beyond your retention. So be the best. Thank you.